You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another technical aspect of Ask Drone You. My name is Paul. <laughs> and my name is Rob, and that means I'm going to take a nap. Wow. So, no, Goodbye. I'm just <laughs> kidding. It's going to be great. Uh, I don't. Yeah. Anyways, um, I didn't mean that the way it sounded. It is very interesting. So stay tuned. Uh, maybe no, 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 no. I meant I don't have anything to contribute, but That's um, it's cool to have heard from Peter in Hungary. I love it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and joining us today. Hope you're having a great day. AskDroneU.com for your questions. If Peter can do it all the way from Hungary, you could do it from wherever you are. That's right. And uh, actually, we do want to expand uh, outside of the United States. There's a lot of opportunity. Um, but that said, yes, today's question is regarding mapping, getting started in the mapping business. This particular question might have variables and caveats, though, that are that are beyond or outside some of our normal kind of algorithms for giving people answers. So we're going to try to do our best because this, this caller is um, based in Hungary, Hungary, uh, in Budapest, uh, I think I said at least Budapest, right? Um, I can say that because I've been there just once, just once. Um, but it's going to be very interesting. And it's funny, Rob, because one time we had a mapping class up in upstate New York and we had a guy from the RCMPs uh, come down from Canada. And I mean, like for every example, I had to be like, uh, uh, you students, don't change meters to feet, stick to meters. <laughs> We're going to stay metric. <laughs> and then just ignore this next hour of stuff I'm going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, anyway. it, it's kind of a pain in the butt. <laughs> it sure Maybe is. America should just go to the metric system. Uh, sometimes I really wonder why we don't, especially when our military uses clicks and meters all the time. So yeah. anyway, um, but let's get right into today's question, which is about really the the best avenue and strategy of where to spend your money when you're getting started in a drone mapping vertical so let's uh let's hear this question and by the way thank you very much for the question in addition to your kind words sir uh it really means a lot to me uh, i've kind of poured my heart and soul into this mapping program here at drone U. now that attention is going into another vertical so i think everyone will be very excited about that but uh as we just keep going down the rabbit hole of being a drone pilot because when you love what you do you still work, just not as much as everyone else. <laughs> Hi, Rob and Paul. My name is Peter Pop, tuning into the show from Hungary. Together with my bride, we are planning on starting a drone business built around mapping services. I recently completed the Drone U comprehensive mapping course to lay down my groundwork. Still, I would like to ask for your advice on starting equipment. We plan with a budget of $9,000 for initial investment and the main market segments we would like to service are construction and agriculture. I am considering to purchase the Phantom 4 RTK drone together with a DJI DRTK2 base station. This setup would allow us to have centimeter precision in positioning and magnetic interference resistance. These characteristics seem especially helpful for mapping construction sites and the P4 multispectral drone we are planning to add later would work well with the base station. On the other hand, a simple Phantom 4 Pro V2 would be a much less expensive option to enter, but relying on GCPs would require a GNSS device to pull accurate coordinates. Considering our plans and budget, what configuration would you consider optimal for us to start out? Thank you for your time and thoughts. They are much appreciated. 
I've learned a crap load from all the stuff at DroneU, and I'm not planning on stopping. You guys are awesome. Keep up the great work, and all the best for you. Hmm. Thanks so much, Peter. You're awesome, and really appreciate, uh, like Paul said, the kind words and the detailed question. Uh, those are some of the most fun to answer because there's a lot there to, to chew on, so to speak. And uh, there's a lot there, Paul. And I know there's some of the things that he mentioned, and you were kind of like, Ugh, "No, don't do that." <laughs> so, what are you thinking? Well, okay, so let's kind of let's go back to what we were talking about pre-show, and for context for everyone listening, I'm going to talk about this first, and like what the normal advice would be, and then how we would deviate from that uh, to uh, kind of fit his European model, because there are differences. Uh, and in fact, as I was looking up coverage of one of the units that he was talking about, I just realized that the UK has not the UK. Europe has been updating their drone rules to come up with different categories similar to uh, what we're seeing with remote ID to really create a more modern framework of regulations, which is uh, we're going to have to do a show on that um, and what it really means and how it should really be uh, uh, viewed. Because uh, that said, again, how do I say this uh, politely and nicely? Um the United States is being left behind once again in regulatory leadership and authority. And the proof is in the pudding. Here's the example. With Canada and what I just saw in Europe in really uh, moving away from distinguishing between recreational and commercial and just saying if the drone meets these categories, it doesn't matter. I think that that is it strikes a balance where communication is clear. It's easy and convenient to understand the rules. Anyway, that's a quick aside. Let's get into what we would normally tell this guy as far as advice is concerned. Mm -hmm. What we talked about in pre-show is, and, and last night in the mapping class, we were kind of talking about this in the construction vertical because there are so many ways to use 2D mapping and 3D modeling in construction. And I always bring up the example of it's as simple as progression photos. It can be as simple as a simple ortho mosaic, non-geo-reference, simply used week over week as a large aerial detailed time lapse. And it can go as complex as creating a detailed 3D model to produce animations to market and sell uh, bids or gain bids that are off uh, their vis-a-vis the federal government or state governments, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I mean... Or measuring piles and materials, yeah, those things. Yeah, volumetric measurements, 100% linear measurements, yes. But we're seeing this clear trend, and uh, I actually would be very interested to hear uh, from Doug on this one. I just want to see his reaction. I mean, because the proof is in the pudding. I mean, this is what our clients are doing, and we're seeing more and more of it. So I think he would really laugh, because for a long time if you remember we were like you know you really don't need gcps to do a lot of stuff mm -hmm. and then we got really hardcore into gcps because well liability issues geo-referencing yeah you get much better quality data but we're seeing a lot of the market movers in these industries move away from geo-referenced data because they yeah. don't need the geo-referencing to do the things that they need drones for and they're finding that some of the traditional methods of certain measurements are easier uh, just from the ground. Not volumes. Mm. I would say volumes is, is really the one 
if you're measuring volumes, georeferencing is 100% necessary in my opinion. Um, and the way that you do it is even more important. Mm -hmm. Um, but that said, going back to, okay, he's, this guy's got nine grand, he's doing different things. Industry trend says there's a lot of construction jobs that they could take that do not need GCPs. And we're just seeing that here in America, right? Now that said, I just had a mapping student from Switzerland. Okay. He is facing a similar scenario and environment like California, right? And to just showcase how ridiculous it is in California, the surveying law says any, any person who stitches photos together uh, in one way or another is a surveyor. And I always say, well, if that's true, then every single person who owns an iPhone who's shooting panos <laughs> is now needing a surveyor's license to shoot panos based off of how your law is written. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's a major conflict of interest when you are incentivized to fine people because however many fines you write, you are essentially then paid and get a budget based off of that. That seems like a conflict of interest, especially when they need technology to advance surveying and the scale at which they can do it. So it seems like an oxymoron to me, but hey, I'm not the uh, president of a board of surveyors. That said, there are a lot of companies, even in California, that are doing orthomosaic mapping mm -hmm. uh, and modeling without georeferencing because the decisions that they make from that material does not require georeferencing. Right. And so they're staying away from these regulatory kind of uh, fields. Landmines? Landmines. Great. Gr oh, that is glorious, <laughs> Rob. Oh, I'm using that. Oh, that is so good. I'm so happy to have contributed to this show. <laughs> you uh, Stop it. You contribute in I'm so just many kidding. ways. I'm just hey, we're about to get deep into business. So pull out your calculator because we're about to go to town. Okay. So, okay. So let's just go. Let's, let's wrap up what I just said. Okay. Recap. Uh, in construction, there's a big trend in the United States, non-geo-referenced uh, deliverables and data in construction. Can I just say or ask as you're talking about this, but aren't there times where you would want to throw out the GCPs? If, if you're not doing like progression stuff, like what Kevin's doing, and maybe you're out there once or twice, you do it just so you have it because they don't even know what they might want. I would. Yes. Okay. I mean, so I just want to make sure that's out there as well. I would a hundred percent, but then the means in which that I would do it are not available to them in Hungary, you know, and that's one of the Absolutely. things that I was looking up to. Yeah, so, yeah, sure. Um, but let me get there. So okay. that said, let, let's just imagine that their realm is true as well. They can produce a lot of non-geo-reference deliverables, orthomosaics, 3D models, interior, exterior. Uh, they're doing progression stuff, just simple photos. Just panning videos. It, well, the orbital videos are a big deal with construction. Yeah. In fact, I have actually seen almost a standardization of flight lines in the construction world. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to see that perfect POI. Yeah. And they want to see it week after week after week. And POI, point of interest, uh, just for all of you out there, another reason you don't want the P4RTK. Uh, anyway, sorry, but it's these nuances that most people don't know. And then they like buy it and then they're stuck there holding the bag and you're like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, well, hey, that's why he's calling. Well, when it comes to complex 3D modeling and when it comes to what we also just mentioned, the P4RTK is not the answer for you, just so that we're clear. That said, you know, he also talked about wanting to get into agriculture. I actually, I last night in mapping class, I warned most people to not get into ag because a lot of the people that we have seen get into ag are no longer in ag. And the, and the proof is in the pudding. 
because here in the United States, you need a part 137 certification to spray. And a a large part of agriculture is not just shooting the farms, Rob. It's interpreting the data and then it's taking action from that data. Yeah, you got to be able to take it to its full completion, not just the analysis from the original scan, so to speak. A hundred percent. And there are companies that are out there that are offering this direct to farmers. And I mean, farmers are one of those people where every dime and dollar counts. And there has to be proof for every single utilization of what they're doing. Um, We know that drones are successful in certain agricultural uh, situations and operations, but macro gross overall, I would say, unless you're doing really, really big stuff and it's fixed wing at that point, it's not really phantom anymore, then I don't really think it's a profitable Uh, means of being a drone pilot. I really don't. The part 137 certification requires you to be a CFI. That's how outdated this, this regulation is. Like, why do I have to be a certified flight instructor, which doesn't exist for drones, which maybe that's just the secret on the application say there's no CFI for drones. So I qualify. That's what I would say. Philip Shaner, I would love to hear from you. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, that said, um, you know, another thing I would say too is that I don't think DJI's solution of the Agris MG1 or T16, whatever, is a very uh, good and reasonable means of agriculture. I know of a lot of drone pilots who have had so much trouble mapping with the RTK and getting their map into and speaking with the Agris drone, right? Mm. Because you essentially take the map that you've done of the farm and then throw it into the drone so it essentially knows precisely where to fly and where not to fly. In we, terms of where to spray and that kind of thing? Yes, and yes, but we're having a lot of... Uh, personal experiences that we've seen through trainings where people are literally unable to take the files and import them to the Agris. That said, I actually don't think the Agris engineering wise is a wise choice of drones in Hmm. agriculture. And I said this last night as well. I said, there is a drone that has been around as long as I have. And I was like, yes, that means 1988 here, ladies and and gentlemen. Because he's old. Yeah, ooh. Anyway, (laughs) uh, and a lot of people laughed, you know, uh, but I said, you know, the Yamaha R-Max helicopter is far and beyond a better solution for actually spraying in ag. And so because this amazing uh, caller didn't give us uh, uh, detail on what type of ag he was getting in, whether it's just interpretation, right, like you alluded to. Yeah, maybe he's part of a team. Yeah, or if they're actually doing the the complete soup to nuts, like which is what you said, right? You've got to have that. Uh, start to finish deliverable. Right. So if he's not offering that whole soup to nuts program, then um, it'll be difficult to also kind of really give him an answer. If he's keeping true to this $9,000 budget, I would say stay away from ag. And another thing that I would say is I think it's in your best interest to just get a Phantom 4 Pro version 2 for a few reasons. When you go out and you're getting these jobs, I think what a lot of pilots find is that they often, and they don't, I feel like they don't realize this until they get more experience uh, in their careers, but essentially they lead on the sale. And what I mean by they lead on the sale is that if you're constantly pushing, I can do orthos for you, I can do orthos for you, here's examples of doing orthos over time, here's how we've taken those and put them into a time lapse, here's how they're being used by these other contractors, right? You're leading the sale. 
Mm-hmm. You're not talking about georeference orthos. You're just talking about large scale time lapses, right? And so at that point, if you're leading and they say yes, georeferencing never comes up. Yeah. And I think that as we have seen with a lot of our clients, which is really fascinating, is these construction companies are staying away from georeferencing because they stay away from the regulatory uh, land mines, as Rob <laughs> would so eloquently call it. Yeah, no, and you just see like watching Kevin at work out at the Amazon site he's been working on for so long. It's been like he told a story and there's going to be a podcast coming out with him talking about his experiences. But I love the story where he tells that he I think it was his first time out just getting started on this first contract. Now I think he's working like three contracts out there or something. And he just wanted to prove a prudent thing to do, prove to the foreman or whoever it was, the superintendent that he'd been there and what he'd done. So he sent him a quick 15 second video. And the guy loved it. And so now, and the guy asked for it like two, three more times. He didn't ask for it again, but Kevin just kept doing it because it was so simple and added a tremendous amount of value. But yeah, none of the other technical stuff has ever come up, right? And you know, you've been out there. Mm -hmm. I know. What's funny is how big that building is. You can see it from my house. My house is on the far clear opposite side of the city. (laughs) But that's the beauty of Albuquerque, right? It's this big bowl shape. And if you're in the foothills, you can see everything. But that's also true if you're in Rio Rancho. You can see everything on the east side. So um, that said, uh, it, it... You know, it just really goes to show that example that you just said, and I want to hit this really fast, is how important relationships are. Mm -hmm. Putting your neck out there, you know, with with boundaries, right? You don't want people to step over your boundaries. But with boundaries, man, there's so much propensity to build relationships and truly help people. And when people see that you're helping them, they want to help you. It's like reciprocity almost. Yeah. But anyway, going back to it, going back to the point about leading the sale, if their environment in Europe and especially Hungary is standardized as everything is geo-referenced, then they're definitely going to need some sort of geo-referencing material. But again, I would, I would pump the brakes on the RTK because I think what a lot of people uh, fail to understand are the limitations of the RTK, super complex 3D modeling, right? So you could even see this in DJI's examples last time they uh, touted Terra. Um, but long story short is you're not going to get the amazing free flight mode capability that you would get uh, with the regular P4. In addition, you have more flexibility in your georeferencing options. Like you don't have to stick with DJI's solution. You can 100% uh, you know, use arrow points. Mm-hmm. You know, we looked up arrow points, which is a PPK solution different from the RTK solution that he had mentioned. And arrow points actually only work within a certain radius of Budapest. So unfortunately, that might not be a solution for him. But I would say to kind of summarize my points here is that number one, I think it would be in your best interest to not buy the expensive unit. Number two, you've got to kind of feel the market out and get some sales uh, through the door and figure out kind of what the market demands um, as Kona drinks Rob's coffee. Uh, And as you figure out what the market demands, I think it's going to become much clearer how important the need for geo-referencing might be. 
For some companies, it's an absolute must. It's necessary. And probably in Hungary, if Hungary is like some of these other countries, you're most likely going to have to work with a surveyor under the guise of a surveyor when you're doing this georeferencing. Right. Um, every country and state has different rules regarding surveying. Uh, in some countries, surveying is like this prestigious uh you know, you are a doctor, a lawyer, or a surveyor, kind of like George Washington. Um, I don't think that exists in America anymore. At least, maybe it does in the eyes of some surveyors, but I don't think that that exists anymore. I mean, you go to a you know a soiree, a party, and you say you're a surveyor, and no one's going to be like, "Oh my, that's awesome!" <laughs> like, what have you surveyed lately? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Although it is, it's a very respectable profession. That's it is not, a respectable profession, not, but, but I it, what you're saying. It's but not. it's kind of like you know, when my dad's generation, you if you were prestigious, you were a doctor or a lawyer. That is not true anymore. You know, well I, now, yeah, oh God, don't get me started. Now it's more about the idiots in Hollywood and the idiot athletes. And who's going to be an influencer, which is so depressing. Anyway, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. Okay. So uh, maybe we should go back to the no, whole no, surveyors no. and attorneys and doctors are prestigious. They are Exactly. We need to get back to that. Yeah. You know what? I'm on that train, Rob. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Secondary mission of Drone You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on it. <laughs> um, but long story short is uh, a couple of other things I wanted to bring up really fast. Uh, the P4 RTK is a phenomenal unit. If you're mapping very, very large areas though, I would recommend something like the wing tra instead mm. to have the, the PPK ability at least. He also mentioned the P4 multispectral. We did a big show on this, on the multispectral, if you remember, and really the only agriculturally beneficial crops that have a yield per acre high enough to kind of drive a profit margin that's healthy enough for your business, you're really going to be mapping vineyards, maybe coffee farms, maybe uh, sticking to wine, which is big in Europe, you know. So there is that opportunity. But I would also say if you're planning on flying multispectral, the cool thing about Wingtra is that you can change out that payload and you can fly a truly... Uh, uh, a truly amazing, uh, true multispectral camera mm -hmm. to do your ag stuff. Hmm. So to really kind of sum it all up, I would say that you've got to put your toes in the water. You've got to test the market. You've got to talk to construction companies. You're probably going to have to lead the way while you are also doing some form of discovery, meaning lead the way in selling what you guys can do or what you know you can do uh, versus, uh, you know, kind of discovering what they need. Anyway, that all said, I would say start small. Um, I think that even if you did start out small with the two grand in the Phantom, look, you can go out and map right away. You can go model right away. Uh, that has the biggest ecosystem of third-party apps to get more out of the drone. Um, in addition, if you do find that the market is necessitating or it's bearing the need for georeferencing, then you can go into... Uh, the P4 RTK. You can realize if you really need that that tool or not, because again, the the markets are so vastly different that I don't think that we could sit here and speak confidently about what they're going to find in True. that particular part of Europe. All we can do is speak from our experiences and knowledge empirically here in the United States, mm -hmm. which is why I'm trying to be so careful. It's like, you might actually need to go straight into georeferencing, yeah. but you also might run into landmines that would inhibit you to do that. From doing that. Mm -hmm. But so if you if they go down the road of just getting the, the P4 Pro V2 and then they do decide 
down the road at some point that they need to do the georeferencing. Um, what other, I mean, what could they do besides going and then getting the Phantom RTK? I mean, could, Wait, say that one more time. I'm not sure I, I understood your question. Sorry. <laughs> so as far as starting out getting the V2, mm-hmm. version 2 Phantom, mm-hmm. um, and then they decide that they do need to start offering the georeferencing. Mm-hmm. So you just said that at that point they could then go get the RTK. Yeah, but, or they but could. But they could do other things too. They, yes, and that's a very important point. They could, you know, uh, just buy an RTK unit and shoot uh, GCPs in a traditional method rather than use the RTK. I think, and I and I think, uh, what's his name? Uh, oof, oof, his name is escaping me. Jason from Florida. I think uh, he makes a really good point in talking about the P4 RTK, where if you're doing a lot of volume mapping, like mortgage surveys, where you're doing five, 10 a day, it totally makes sense. Um, but mm. in a lot of other cases, it doesn't always make sense because at the end of the day, whatever DJI wants to say, you still need at least one or two checkpoints to really ensure that the data was transcribed properly from the GNSS receiver to the EXIF data on the photos and then processed properly in the right coordinate system through whatever mapping engine you're running it through. Yeah. And there's a lot of points where that can break down and it not work. Sure. Um, and so you've got to really be careful. And that's why I said, eh, it's probably easier if they go to AeroPoints, but I don't think AeroPoints will work for them. Yeah. Um, but there could be, they could use other receivers, right? You said Leica works. Leica is a European company, so I would imagine that it works. I did yeah. not check SmartNet coverage in that area. But the reason that I say what I say about checkpoints and the RTK is because a lot there's this idea idea out there that if you fly a DJI Phantom RTK that you do not need ground control points. Right. I would say you always need to have at least one as a check. And don't forget, if you do, if you have zero checkpoints, then you're no longer ASPRS, quote unquote, uh, you know, you're not following their guidelines. Mm. So, you know, something else that occurred to me, and I don't remember us talking about this, you may have talked about it in class or something, but... In terms of needing the equipment to pull the points, right? And we've taught, we've had people say, do you know where we can rent them? We tried even setting up a rental program and it was just, it didn't work with a third party. But I mean, you've got surveyor, surveying companies all over the place that they have this equipment. Yeah. Develop a relationship with them and maybe use their equipment somehow. Thank you for bringing this up. This is another great example that we have students here in America that have built relationships with the general contractors so that the subs work between each other. So the general contractor has a surveyor go out. They pull their points as they normally would, right? But then they pull additional points for the drone pilots and Mm -hmm. then they just keep those as permanent GCPs. Yeah. And then so they're paying essentially to work with the surveyor to use their points so that everything is gravy. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. So you've got that. That's how it should be. Why can't we collaborate to help each other? We can. Yeah, I know. But there are certain states. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going into it. I know. I know. (laughs) California. (laughs) It's okay. Anyways, um, no, and and that's great. There are those kinds of partnerships out there, but even just if it's allowed, whatever, (laughs) just using their equipment, renting it from them or or whatever, instead of uh, trying to find somewhere that rents uh, that equipment by itself, basically. Quick aside, I've got three surveyors in the mapping class right now. And I told- Really? uh That's great. I agree that it's great. I told all of them how- astronomically excited I was 
to have them in my class. Yes. And I told them why. I was like, because there's so many surveyors out there who uh, have a stick up there, you know what, uh, about how accurate your maps or models are, but they completely ignore the human factor of photogrammetry, which is at the end of the day, if you do not mark the photos for the GCPs in an extremely systematic means, then you're actually injecting more error into the map, which like, I would say nine out of the 10 surveyors that I've talked to don't understand that. And I said, this is why I'm so excited that you're in my class. I get to teach you how you might have the most accurate points in the world, but if you don't follow these rules in applying those to your maps, it's worthless. It's literally worthless. I've had surveyors who have injected over 125 feet of error on a given axis because they didn't mark their GCPs right. Anyway. That's really interesting. But that's exciting because we're seeing more of that, more surveyors. And they are going to... Scoot to the front. Oh, I even corrected myself. I was like, I think surveying is ripe for disruption because if you look at the top-down approach that they have in the industry and how few surveyors there are now nowadays, who's actually out there pulling the points, what is the verification process like, et cetera. I said, that's why I think it's ripe. And that's when a couple of them were like, oh. My the surveyor who I work for sent me to you. And I was like, well, maybe uh, it's getting disrupted. Maybe they're more open. I was like, this is awesome. I was like, I'm stoked that you guys are here. I was just like, because at the end of the day, drones can aid surveying. It can aid in getting more volume, more accuracy, and removing human error. It's just that simple. Absolutely. But the other thing I love about it, having three surveyors in there, is they're bringing their real life experience to the class that is going to help the other students and it's going to help you. A hundred percent. Yes, it will help me. And more importantly, it will help the other students. So honestly, I was excited. Like I, as soon as they said that, I pulled a big old smile and kind of took a step back from the computer. I was like, okay. That's cool. Super cool. Yeah. Anyway, it's exciting. So back to the caller, this was a long diatribe. I really believe that you need to read the market. You need to put the feelers out there and really understand what are the deliverables of these verticals that you want to hit um, in construction. I would stay away from ag if I were you. Um, that said, there's a lot of other things that you can do um, with modeling, especially uh, that can take up the revenue stream of ag. Brings up another point. A lot of people want to know, and I keep pressing this in the mapping class, what are the scalable uh, volume-based jobs that you can take on with drone mapping? Because look, you only need four clients with with the, the four of the right kind of clients. And you've got a six figure producing business, very low overhead, regular recurring revenue, you know, it's coming in, like, you know, and I and I talk a lot about these lessons that I have learned on the side. And I'm, I'm actually really grateful that I've had ride media on the side of drone you, because I have learned the hard lessons that I would not have learned if Rob was in charge. <laughs> and I mean that like, I mean that in all the comp- uh, complimentary ways, Rob, because I have made so many mistakes and I have learned the hard way. And it's, it has uh, what psycho cybernetics talks about is that the only way that you really change is by having that emotional experience that is typically only learned through, through real life, real world examples. But it is possible to inject those emotional experiences, if done the right way, to cause you to change your behavior. And one of the behavioral changes that I'm talking about is taking on drone jobs that are volume based. It's just not a creative one off 
job because it's mm-hmm. really, really hard to maintain a business uh, like that. So yeah, it's a lot of work. Anyway, it's a lot of work. Sorry, that was another diatribe, but uh, no, and and I, you know, I suppose that um, perhaps more information from Peter regarding the uh, the ag side of things, even though you're discouraging him from going down that road, there may be really good reasons for him to go down that road. But we we don't know what those are. So if you wanted to share those and we could go deeper into that, then that's an option. Well, and also we also don't know what the regulatory structure is for spraying in in Hungary right now. Um, so because the Yamaha helicopter that you mentioned, that's what fifty grand, sixty grand, hundred thousand, hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's a little bit beyond um, the budget. Well, here's the thing, though. I, a lot of people realize they'll spend twenty five or $30,000 on an agris, mm-hmm. and then they'll realize that they can only spray like a couple acres at once. Um, and they'll, they'll realize how difficult it is to scale what they want to do with that drone. Um, yeah. And I've spoken to companies who are deep into ag. Uh, yeah, here's the RMAX. And the RMAX helicopter, see, I mean, like, that's a that's a beefy drone, dude. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. You, you know, <laughs> it looks like you could put a person in that sucker. But we could put Sami in there. <laughs> He's grown a lot. <laughs> we could put Sami in there last year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a big bird. But I mean, if you're into serious spraying, this makes sense because you can yeah. take care of large farms in one day. It's no big deal. The workflow too is a lot more seamless. It's a lot more seamless. Well, Peter, here's your goal: the Yamaha R Max. R Max. Yeah, that's a bad ass helicopter so <laughs> by the way um i'd be remiss if i didn't mention i think it's super cool i don't know if you caught in the beginning of his question he said um that he and his bride are starting this business together i did not catch that so i think that's cool good for you guys have fun i think it is very cool i think it is incredibly challenging <laughs> and um i would say remember how important grace is and uh I don't want to be pessimistic, but I wish you the best of luck. No, just make, yeah, I, I don't think you called for this, but make your pri- your your marriage your number one priority. But my in-laws have worked together for, they worked together for decades. It happens. Anyways, hmm. I didn't necessarily I don't mean think to I'm a, on that, I don't but. think I'm in a position to give marriage advice, so I'm going to leave on that bombshell. My name is Paul. <laughs> I'm Rob. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Check out our mapping class. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.